Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And welcome to a podcast that's going to make you feel good. That's going to make you feel tingles. That's going to make you feel ecstatic. This is that podcast. Um, Craig, what do you think is the most soothing part of this podcast? I think the most soothing part of this podcast is when we get hyped up and start yelling at each other about movie movie opinions that really do not matter. Okay, okay. That's soothing. Do you think brings I'll... a sort of comfort to the divorced kids in the audience? Right, right, right. Oh, so it's like, oh, <laughs> it's taking me back. Exactly. Just like it's growing a nostalgia. up. Yeah. Um, second question. What do you think they their thoughts are on our voices? Well, I think now I'm doing a pretty purposeful job of maybe not overselling the intro. So I think right now we're doing pretty okay. As soon, and I cannot express this enough, as soon as we go into the movie segment, I will forget that I'm trying to be a little calmer and everything's going to go right out the window and I'm going to just be loud and bombastic again. Okay. Um... Audience, just a heads up. I mean, you know better than me because you can check right now. But at the time of recording, I'm feeling like this is going to be a long episode. So we're going to cut this intro pretty quick. little peek behind the curtain. We're going to cut this intro pretty quick. And then we're just going to jump straight into this movie. Because the movie I'm talk cool might go that. a little bit long. And then the middle segment might go a little bit long. So let's just cut to the chase, okay? Yeah, absolutely. We've set the tone. Let's get into it this week. In week two of decades, we are in the 1940s. And we are going to be talking about quite possibly the most talked about movie of all time. This is the movie that set the bar for movies. That's right. We're talking about Citizen Kane. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, but I recommend you do, because I imagine it's going to be a spicy one. Skip to this time code right here. Time code, 23 minutes, 25 seconds. So this movie was okay, right? Okay, this movie is one of the best movies of the time. Yes. Now, and here's because the thing. Yeah, it, because, because it was the best movie of the time, and of the time was before we learned how to make great movies, a lot of people conflate it with, oh, it's the best movie of all time. And I'm just going to go ahead and start with, no. No, it's not. I will say it was the best movie of all time when it was made. <laughs> I bet you when they saw this movie, like, oh, this is the best movie of all time. Before, you know, we've been doing it for 100 years. So I will say this was probably one of the first great movies. Um, but now, I mean, we have so many great movies. Yeah, this, this was because is... this was like the second or third movie with like full character development. Because like yeah. before this, it was Gone with the Wind. And um, that's it, actually. It was yeah. just Gone with the Wind. And then, like, there was, like, super heavy, like, weird character-driven stuff, like Wizard of Oz, King Kong, all that stuff, right? Um, yeah. But this is, like, real people. Also, a more, it's a non-linear storytelling, which I love. I find that very compelling. And that yes. was blowing people's minds back then. This was their inception. They're like, oh, we didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And you know what? I also don't blame them because I don't think it was very upfront about it. I think this movie could have done a little bit better job at letting us know 
when we were in which section of the story? Oh, yeah. Now, um, because you don't know till like 20 minutes in. That's how they're going to do this movie. <laughs> Maybe yeah. later than that. And they start because unless I missed something, they do not do any great visual indicator that they have gone back in time. So let's do some setup. The movie starts with, and I am not exaggerating, an eight plus minute reel of a dude's life. A fake and movie. To the, it's yeah. so long that you're like, is this the movie? And what we are watching is basically an obituary, a, a, a televised obituary of Charles Kane, a newspaper conglomerate uh, CEO, basically. And he was filthy rich, super powerful. One of the most, like, he was, like, the most influential man at the time that died. And so this eight-minute-long, effectively, biopic was like, here's the deal with Charles Kane. He started this newspaper company. And then he got super politically influential. And then he lost a bunch of money. Then he lost the paper. And that's all that happened, but they take eight minutes to tell you this. And... Basically, we realize, we pull back, we see that it's a fake movie, and then it's all the people that wrote it and made it in a room for the newspaper that they work for, and then, like, the head editor comes in and he goes, what is this? This sucks. Like, everybody knows the story of Charles Kane. Give me something juicy. We know what his last word was. His last word was Rosebud. Now, we don't know what that means. Go figure out what what the man's dying words meant. And so it's these reporters talking to various people that were close to Charles Kane. And whenever they go to a new person, it flashes back to their respective part in his life. And so... When they start talking about Charles, Charles gets introduced into the scene without us really knowing that it's a, a time jump has occurred. Oh uh, Yeah. So basically, and it's very confusing because you're like, well, this guy was old and now he's a lot younger. And the only reason I know it's the same person is because the name's the same. Yes. And they do the first kind of flashback jump while you're still learning everybody's names. So they assume like, oh, if we mention a dead guy, clearly they'll know that we're in the past now. And I'm like, I'm not 100% on everybody's name right now. Yeah. So you cannot give me that benefit of the doubt. And there's like, they got thankfully they got the same actors and they just put them all in makeup, which was pretty impressive considering how old this movie is. Because I've seen newer movies that didn't have makeup this good. Now, that's not saying this movie didn't have incredible makeup. I'm just saying I was impressed for the time that, that this movie was made. Because you can still he's treading very carefully because he just spent all of last week absolutely destroying King Kong for being of its time. So he's walking a fine line of being impressed by this movie, by but also not cutting it any slack. Yeah, it's one of those things that like I realized this was hard to do, but it wouldn't be good if it happened right now. Um, But it's not bad. That it's not that bad is what I meant to say. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um. I will say in general, for the most part, I think at its core, this movie, mostly, I did not care about the story, right? I think I did not care about this dude, Charles Kane, until there was like 45 minutes left in the movie. So every time we do a flashback, 
I didn't understand a lot of the storytelling, and I'm willing to chalk that up to me. But I think the story was told in such a confusing way that I didn't care about it until I understood it. And I didn't really understood understand what was happening until about halfway through. Okay, I didn't understand it for the first 25%. I was sure. I was thoroughly lost in the sauce. I didn't know who anybody was. I didn't know what, if we were in the past or if we were in the future, if we were the grandfather or if we were the, the kid. I don't know who was who um, until I started understanding people's names. And I'm like... Okay, now I know what's going on. Also, I mean, the first 25% of the movie, I mean, eight minutes of that. It's a two-hour-long movie, which is long for an older movie. I mean, unless we compare it to Gone with the Wind. Um, it's just confusing. Also, like, just trying to pay attention to people's faces, but it's kind of shadowy. And people are wearing makeup, and we're jumping around in time zones, like, time periods. So it's, it's just hard to follow. If you have, I went into this movie... I mean, I had watched Mank, right, which is a movie that came out like a year ago, maybe two years ago, about the person who wrote this. I don't remember a thing, bro. Not a <laughs> thing. I remember that Orson Welles is in this, and that's it. I had no clue about anything else. So now I need to go back and watch that movie so it makes sense. So I went <laughs> in this movie blind. I had no clue. And uh, I think, I mean, we're going to do a, spo- a spoiler part. Or, I mean, like, we might not, I mean, we said we're going to do... No, let's just send it, man. Just send it. But I don't, like, here's the thing. It's going to make more sense to people now that they listen to this. I would say, listen to this first and then go watch the movie so you're not confused like us. This is not going to be, like, (laughs) how you would normally do it. Sometimes it'd be like, hey, before you listen to this, go watch the movie. No, listen to this and then watch the movie so you're not lost. Because it's super important. I will say that the whole movie trying to figure out what Rosebud means, right? I could yeah. care less about Rosebud. I was just interested in the characters. Yes, this is true. So the th- the part that I think I had the most interest in was the the section involving his second wife. Yeah. So um, Charles Kane, he had a wife that you know when he was uh, before he like started a political career. Um, he had a he had a wife, and you know they got along very well. They had a very good public image. But then Kane kind of, he was like kind of seeing this younger girl, but not really. Like he was kind of on the fence about it, but the wife still didn't like this very much. So she leaves him. And so he doubles down on this younger girl and they start dating and they get married and she's an aspiring singer. The only problem is she's not great, but because Kane is the most powerful man in the world, he's like, I will get you your own opera house. Do not worry about it. So a lot of people come to this opera and they're like, this sucks. She only got the gig because Kane got it for her. And she's like, I don't want this to be my life. And he's like, too bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't just come out and said it yet. This movie is dialogue heavy, bro. Yes. That's the entire movie. There's no action in this movie. There's no dynamic scenes, cool set pieces. It's about talking and character development and figuring out who people are and the relationships that the main character has with other people. It's all about relationships and talking. And it's also in black and white, obviously. If that's not interesting to you, this whole movie is going to be the most boring thing ever. Um, and if you're not paying attention, then the movie's not going to make sense. Um 
You're going to be confused about where he made his money. You're going to be confused about who, what woman is who. Is this his girl, first wife, second wife? Is this just a random person? You're going to get his friends confused for sure because there's like three of them. And although they're different, I still don't know their names. I can recognize them, but I don't know what their <laughs> names are. Yeah. Um, it's going to get confusing. You're going to be, if you miss the part where they switch between storytellers, that's going to get real confusing. Um, Cause there's a guy in a retirement home. There's a second wife, there's a Butler and there's a, his lawyer. I think there's only four. Um, and if you miss that switch, bro, you're going to be real confused when they cut back and forth. Um, if you don't, if you're not paying attention and you miss what Xanadu is, then you're going to get a little confused. I was, gonna, I'm I mean, going to say, I thought, I really thought that Xanadu was like a pre Disney world, Disney world, the way they described it. It was not until several mentionings later where I realized like, Oh, Xanadu's uh, just, it's just his house. It's the American Taj Mahal. It's a freaking mansion. It is so big, bro. And I didn't realize how big it was. I know they said it was like the biggest residence ever in the U S might be in the world. Um, cause the guy's a billionaire. Like, he's not actually a billionaire, but adjusted for inflation, the dude's a billionaire. His house is so big, his fireplace is the size of, like, four garages. (laughs) You can just walk into the fire, bro. Yeah. Um, It's larger than hotels, just period. Across the board, hotels are smaller. It's massive. Yeah. I kind of want to get the elephant in the room out of the way. Whenever we do these decades months, I always feel like whenever I don't like a movie, especially a movie like Citizen Kane, and it's the strongest with Citizen Kane, where when I come off lukewarm or I bounce off a movie like this, I'm always aware that it could give off an air of like, not like somebody else. Like, oh, this one's popular, so I don't like this one. Everyone says this is the greatest movie in the world, and I just don't like it. Like, I understand that's the air that I give off, and I want to kind of get in front of that where I'm like, listen, these are just not my kinds of movies. I respect that this is what people in 1941 wanted. It is not what Craig wants in 2023. Okay, and I, I think that now we that we're need- getting ahead of stuff, I want to get ahead of mine. Because this happens very frequently where a well-known movie comes on and it's super famous. Everybody likes it. And then Craig doesn't like it. And then I feel super pretentious for liking it. <laughs> like I'm pretending to like it because I'm supposed to. Okay. And I feel like I'm pretending to hate it. So I'm different. So. Because <laughs> this happened last year with Casablanca, which was also a 1940s movie. And I loved Casablanca. And I'm like, do I just like it? because I'm supposed to like it. And do I just like this because it's a fancy, sophisticated movie that film students like? It might be a part of it, okay? I don't know. It's like a Rolex. Is a Rolex really nice watch? I think we can all agree yes. Is it worth 15000 You might just be liking it because other people like it. I don't know if it's worth $15,000, you know? So that's how I kind of feel about this. I liked this movie. I'm really trying to figure out, do I like it that much? Is the movie that good? Yeah. And I think I'm going to be on one side of the fence and you're on the other. And I totally get where you're coming from because this movie's different. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, like this is a thick movie. Like you probably need to watch it more than once to get the full effect from this. I just don't care enough to watch it any more times. Also, I will say if you're a fan of movies, you're not going to like this movie. 
If you're a fan of yeah. films, this is right up your alley. This yeah, movie if you're is someone whose favorite filmy. movie is like Into the Spider-Verse and Kingsman, maybe this one isn't for you. <laughs> yeah, this is a filmy movie. Also, if you're just a casual movie person, like you watch them every once in a while or you need people to recommend you movies to go watch it and you're just not out for like a weird, interesting experience, this movie's also not for you. This is movies, these are for film students and people who are friends with film students and people who are obsessed with movies. Regular people don't watch this movie and that's okay. Unless you're old and there was no other movies out, then you definitely watch this movie. Um, but I wouldn't, I'm not recommending this movie to anybody Unless you're obsessed with movies and, you know, burning two hours is no big deal to you. Yeah. Um, are we at the point where we talk about Rosebud now? Yeah. Hey, audience, we're, this is the spoilery part. It doesn't ruin the movie. It doesn't. It, it actually so doesn't. Because Rosebud, hey, guess what? Rosebud is the name of a sled. That's it. Rosebud's the name of a sled. Yeah. In his childhood. So you see him right before he becomes you know, rich, he's outside sledding and that they kind of allude to that. It's Rosebud. And then it's a whole big symbolism thing. Her on his deathbed. All he could think about was his childhood. And then you're supposed to reflect on what the story they just told you and how the whole time with all this money, he was just trying to get to what, you know, his childhood was like and capture that happiness with money. And he didn't know how, cause he never like emotionally matured. This movie is like definitely one of those poems you studied in high school where your teacher's like, so what does this mean? What does this symbolize? It's yeah, it's one you chew on. And if you're not used to yeah. chewing on movies, this also is not a movie for you. This movie is, I would say, good for a very small niche of people. And to everyone else, it's just going to be boring. Yeah. And the the focus on Rosebud. I think you mentioned this earlier. Where like, the focus on Rosebud itself is the least interesting part of this movie. Right. Right? And when we find out what Rosebud is, because it's also theoretical and analogous, it doesn't feel like a satisfying conclusion to the mystery. Um, Because this whole movie, y- there's almost like a detective spin on it, where it's like, what could Rosebud possibly mean? And we find out what it means, and you're kind of just like, that's it? Like, even if you go back and study, like what Rosebud represents to his childhood and how he's reflecting on that in his deathbed, even that it's, it seems like a very pompous way to go about it. Um, yeah. Cause it feels what we're used to now is a plot twist. And this is not a plot twist. It's kind of one, but it's not a satisfying one. Cause what we're used to is like, remember in all those previous scenes, there was someone in the background. There was someone who's always there supporting him. Remember that one thing, that one object that he's been carrying with him this whole time that we never really alluded to, but it's always been there? That's what Rosebud is. That never happens. This never happens. The whole point of the movie is they're interviewing four of the people that were closest to him, and they have no idea what it is. So, and and by the way, they tell you that within the first five minutes of talking to them. They're like, oh yeah, I don't know what Rosebud is. No clue. And they keep talking. Yeah. And 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 instead the reporter's like, well, let's talk for the next couple of days just to make sure. I'm like, bro, they just told you. They don't know. Yeah, I I kind of want to say this. And maybe this is a stance that many people aren't willing to say out loud, but I'll say it. I'm okay when movies lay everything out for me. You know, the thing about filmmaking is show don't tell. It's okay to tell <laughs> every now and then. 
Like, if you think that th- if you think that the analogy you're making is a little too broad, you can rein it in a little bit. You can tell us. Like, we don't need to spend so much time hypothesizing. Uh, like, oh, it means something to everybody. No, it means one thing, and we're all just a little confused on it. You can tell us. The reason why I like detective and, like, mystery movies, because there's a part of the movie where they spell everything out, and I enjoy that part. Um, yeah, dude, this this movie's a lot. It's a lot. And here's the thing. Here's another part of this movie. I thought this movie is, uh, it's very filmy. It's an aesthetic and I was just in the mood for that aesthetic when I watched it. Um, it's it's a very noir-y vibe, like mystery, dark, candlelight vibes. There's some ex- there's some like upbeat parts, but for the most part, it's pretty slow and conversational. And yeah. then you're just trying to figure out who this guy is and his intricacies. Uh, it's a steak. It's candlelight. It's red wine. It's not. I would never describe this movie as entertaining. <laughs> is what I'm saying, and I like this movie. It's not entertaining, if that makes sense. It's just like an experience. It's like uh, a novel ish vibe. This is very much like, I mean, this watches like an English school book reads. Yeah, a book that you have to read, not a book you want to read, not a book that's going to get made into a movie. It's a book you're you're gonna read, and then we're gonna talk about it in class. And you have to write a report on it. It's one of those kind of movies. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to wrap this up. I think we both got exactly what we expected from this movie. Um, again, this is on course for decades. We we have one of these two where we flip-flop. And, you know, here we are. Um, mine sits at like a gracious 4.5. Oh, boy. Audience, by the way, this movie got nominated for like a billion Oscars when it came out. Granted, who knows what the competition is? Who knows? And probably seven you movies. know what? According to the IMDb trivia, this movie bombed. People hated it. It got booed at the Oscars. So, well, also because it was a lot of propaganda because allegedly this movie is based off a real person. And that person owns a newspaper. And guess what? He kind of <laughs> published some slander in said newspaper and didn't want people to see this. So it got ended up getting re-released like 10 years later and people loved it. But when it came out, not so much. Yeah, it got nominated for like nine Oscars. It won one and that was for writing. Um, I'm giving it and I've thought long and hard about this and I'm still not sure I'm giving it the right number. I think it's a seven. Okay. I think it's a seven. Yeah, that's I think that's it's fair. straight up a good movie. I, the caveat is it's very good. Yeah, I would say it's higher than a seven for some people. But because the, it swings the other way so hard, I'm just going to give it a flat seven. Okay. Understandable. Cool. That's that movie. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on to our improv segment. This is one that we haven't done in a hot minute. This one's called Hurt My Own Feelings. This is a segment where Alex and I are going to do a scene together. But our characters are very... Um, emotionally repressed and it's kind of like a competition to see who has the worst self image. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first dude, I got to look up the last time. The first time we did this is the first time we did this is still my favorite time we've ever done it. It's episode 23, AKA Rio. Oh my God. Rio's one of those movies that I keep forgetting that we did for the podcast. Yeah. It's, that's my favorite version of this, unless we do something incredible today. 
Go back and just skip to the improv for episode 23, Rio. It's amazing. Um, and every time we start one of these, I'm like, I just hope it's that good. I hope it's that good. <laughs> All right, Craig. Okay, you-, you got a scenario off the top of your head? Or should we think of a good one? Let's let's think of something. Okay. The one that comes to mind, and we can do yours if you want to offer one, is <laughs> two kids in a foster home, and they both want to be adopted, but they're like, hey, man, you deserve it more. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. I'm cool with that. Sweet. Um, hey, did you hear that they're, uh, they're bringing in a potential uh, adopter today? Yeah, I heard they were looking. Um, it was a family. They're just looking for one boy, though. Um, I mean, this is one of those rare times we're looking for someone like 10 to 13. So if we were ever going to get picked now would be the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, well, I just, you know, I wanted to I wish know, you man. good luck during the interview process today. Um, no, I, I think you're going to crush it. I, uh, you know, I was even thinking of going, I, I think it's a waste of time uh, to be honest. You deserve it more than I ever could. So I was thinking, no, no. What, what, what do you mean? You, I think you should at least go. You should at least try. I mean, I'll go. I, maybe I will go. And I just want to be honest with them. You know, I'm going to lay out all my flaws, you know, and and I think it'd be a pretty obvious choice to go with you. And uh, you're going to be a great son. And, I, and I, I hope they're good parents. Well, I mean, I wouldn't totally bet on that because, like, we all remember the science fair incident of 2006, right? Yeah. Um. Hey, man. That was not your fault. That but was not your I, fault. And okay, to be honest, but, I've done so many worse things since then that I doubt anybody even remembers it. But I created caffeine patches to keep people awake. I sent someone into a cardiac arrest. Yeah. But remember the next year? I mean, I overshadowed you so badly. I don't even think, I honestly don't think people remember you. Dude, I yeah. was convinced that your patches made my pee caffeinated. And I just added Mio to it to flavor it and handed it out to people. I will say, though, that was, if you look at it from the perspective of a practical joke, that one's pretty up there. That one is pretty up there. I think that we're really yeah. glancing over the fact that, like, that I don't committed know, like, a, a biohazard level crime. I mean, did anyone get hurt? Not really. So I, mean, I think that it's a it's something that we could move on from. I think, you know, I just want you to remember that between the two of us, only one of us has an arch nemesis, okay? And I think that it's kind of weird for someone to adopt someone with an arch nemesis because then you're always looking over your shoulder and looking at anybody shady with a bowler hat and you think, oh, what if that's the arch nemesis? Like, that's baggage that you don't have. Yeah, but the one thing I do have is I had nine siblings in here with me in foster. And I'm the last one. And I'm the youngest. I was, I'm supposed to go first. I was two when I got here. And I'm still here. I, I think there's you were too something young. about me. You were too young. You didn't even have a, like any say in the matter. You can't interview a baby. Yeah. People love toddlers. Have you toddlers. tried interviewing a baby? People love toddlers, dude. I was so cute. And I just didn't get picked. There must be something about me that just like, people just don't want me around. Okay. Here's why I think you're gonna get it, because it's between you and me at this point. All right, and yeah, we understand. I mean, we're the that. only we're the only preteen boys in the orphanage. Yeah. So remember when I took that rock and I shoved and I shoved it down Scruffy's throat because I was trying to do a <laughs> science experiment. I don't remember I, that. That's horrible. 
I don't feel remorse about that. I would do it again right now. They have to keep rocks away from me for that. For that. I think it's time I confess something. Yeah. Remember that time Mrs. Schwartz got her foot ran over by our van on the field trip? Yeah, and she could never walk on that foot again. I remember. So I thought it'd be funny if I just undid the parking brake and then we played uh, foot roulette, um, which is basically- Who else was playing? Was Mr. Schwartz playing foot roulette with you? Um, he didn't know it because we talked. I talked to a bunch of other kids and uh, when he fell asleep, we just put him under there. And then the way the game works is we all put our feet by a tire. It's kind of like musical chairs. And yeah. And if you win, you lose. Okay. Um... But look at your ingenuity in coming up with new playground games and um, the strength that it takes to bring an adult next to a, a parked van. That's immeasurable. I, the thing is, the reason he didn't wake up is because we dosed him with Ambien. The problem, the reason I haven't told anybody this is because I'd definitely be going to juvie if this were to happen. Granted, yeah, what you just absolutely. told me is, is bad, but it's an animal. And that just means you're a psychopath. And people... You know, they're not going to hold that against you at a young age. Hey, I might be, you know, a criminal. Um, There was one other reason that, you know, maybe maybe this is all for naught. Maybe we don't even have to worry about this conversation. I know exactly what top- you're going to do. I took it from you this morning. Cox gun. Okay. <laughs> not every day I get to bring in such a niche Meet the Robinsons reference, but here we lay. Yeah, completely letting it over happen. my head, but that's okay. <laughs> Are you telling me that you aren't frequently re-watching the 2006 animated Disney classic, Meet the Robinsons? How'd you know? <laughs> uh, Craig, I think it's time we move on to our yeah. middle segment. Yes. Are always longer than we want them to be, even when we try to keep them brief, middle segment, Moonlighting. This is a segment where Alex and I just come to the table with a lot of stuff that would normally be in the free balling segment, and we just put it all in the middle right here. Give us a little bit more time to talk about it, and we get to bring a few more things to the table. I would like to go first, because I did watch Cocaine Bear. Oh my... I mean, it was going to be one of us. It was going to be one of us. (laughs) And I want to say that Cocaine delivers on... Literally everything you expect Cocaine Bear to be, right? It, there's a bear. It does cocaine. It attacks people. Not much deeper than that, boys. Um, There are a few periods of the movie where we don't see the bear for a while. Like, there's maybe a section of this movie where we go a full 20 plus minutes without seeing the bear. And that was easily the slowest part of the movie. But I will say, this movie does not hold back in killing characters where you'll be like, we just met this character and he's already ripping him apart. Like, several characters get introduced just so they can die to the bear. It is, in fact, a very gruesome and brutal movie. It does not hold back. Um, Elizabeth Banks, who was the director of this movie, was like, hey, one of the things that I thought was really important was that the bear look as realistic as possible. Because if the bear ever looks like CGI, it will take the audience out of the movie. The bear looks like CGI, Elizabeth. I don't know how to tell you this. Now, it's good CGI, don't get me wrong, but when I thought I was genuinely going to watch a bear attack Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and it's, 
you know, very clearly an animated bear. Like, I was a little like, oh, come on, Elizabeth. You oversold. I wouldn't have complained if you didn't oversell it. Because it looks fine. It's It looks normal. But it doesn't look photorealistic. So, I just want you to lower that bar right away. Um, I at the end of the day, didn't think this movie was funny enough. And like, this should have been played as more of a comedy than it was. There were some humorous parts, but I think this movie did take itself a smidge too seriously. And, and I don't like disaster movies and I don't like slasher movies. So the fact that this movie wasn't funny enough to outweigh the slasher civilian death barrier that I don't already love. It was a little disappointing to me. Don't get me wrong. It's a fun watch. You know, this is Ray Liotta's last movie and he plays a drug Lord in the eighties in a movie called cocaine bear. And it's exactly what you'd expect. Nice. So this movie has its ups and downs. It's, I think the, it is a movie that came out this year. And I'm sure when we do our end of the year retrospective, that's exactly how I will feel again. It sits at like six and a quarter, okay. I think. Sure. Um, I watched Sharper, a movie that is released on Apple TV Plus. It's got Justice Smith, Sebastian Stan, and uh, Julianne Moore in it, among with some other people. But those are the big names you recognize. Uh, John Lithgow, maybe. Um, it is a movie that I can't talk about without spoiling stuff. So I'm just going to lay it out there. If you're going to watch it, I mean, skip ahead four minutes. Okay. So this movie is just about con artists. Okay. And it's, it's, everyone's a con. Everyone's running a con. It's, it's told in the perspective of vignettes. So it's this person's perspective, another person's perspective, all in the same movie. Very cool device. I liked it a lot. Um, kind of similar to Citizen Kane. Um, the tricky part is, is once you find out there's a second con man, and then a third con man. After the third, everyone's a con man. You're yeah. always every, you're always looking for the angle. Because the first time you're like, oh, this is freaking weird. I did not see this coming. Um, and then, you know, money gets involved. And you're like, oh, then, okay, this is probably sketchy. And then you meet the second guy. And you're like, oh, this makes sense. And then you meet the third person. And you're like, okay, so I just need to be looking for it everywhere. I need to be looking for a con everywhere. And the tricky part is, is the plot twist at the end is something you see coming because in the first two acts of the movie, that's all they did. So even if we don't do it in the third act, we're still looking for it. Sure. So I think they just like messed that up for themselves. So you see the plot twist coming, which sucks. Um, The second thing is there's, you got to suspend your disbelief uh, in a couple big ways, like billionaires vet people who are close to them. These people are not vetted at all at all and it's very confusing um another thing um that i found annoying with this movie is all the characters are one-dimensional except for one of them and there's i would say five big characters maybe six one of them is not one-dimensional everyone else is exactly who they are in the beginning of the movie and it's very frustrating also i realized that julianne moore is hot bro (laughs) okay and she's 62 (laughs) She's 62, and I'm attracted to her. Yeah, I mean, we found ourselves a few, you know, cougar-level hotties on this podcast before, and that might have been, gang, that might have been the worst thing I've ever said. 
<laughs> Dude, I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that she's a redhead, but she's older than my mom. And my mom had me at 37. <laughs> I, I was thoroughly confused about what I was feeling when I was watching her. I'm like, okay, Julianne Moore is beautiful. She is straight up beautiful. Yeah. And she was born in 1960. And yeah. I, didn't know how to, uh-huh. I didn't know what to do with that information. Um, this movie is, the pacing in the first part is perfect. I loved it. The The first vignette feels like a short story that goes on for like 20 minutes. It's an, a two hour long movie. The f- first vignette feels like 20 minutes. I don't, I don't know, remember exactly how long it was. It feels amazing. It feels like, like a romantic comedy, but heavily more romance, romance than comedy. It feels just like a sweet story. Like uh, it could be an episode of uh, Master of None. Okay. And then the twist happens, the first one, and you're like, okay, this is where the next two hours is going to go. And then you get another little 20, 30 minute section and you're like, oh, this is so interesting. And then it cuts again. And then you're like, are we in this? What act are we in right now? Because <laughs> we got an hour left and I don't, how many more of these are we going to do? Because the first half of this movie is awesome. The first half of this movie feels like you're just finishing up the first act. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, that being said. A bunch of stuff happens in the next 40 minutes, and the last 20 minutes is rushed. Rushed to pieces. It's. I wish this movie was just television. It would be great just TV. I get that these actors are big, but like it just rushes the last half of the movie. The first half is so compelling, and you're like, if they, they can just keep this up, it'll be great. Now, the second half of the movie, I, I finished it. It was. It's worth watching. It's just, if the first half of the movie was an 8 out of 10, the second half of the movie is a five and a half, six. It's good, and so we're, but it's not so nearly as good as what you thought it was going to be. And so what are we landed on with this? I'm going to give it a six, six and a half. Six and a half? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. We we Six and a half isn't bad. It's not bad. We'll take what we can. And it's just because get. the first half is so good. And it's on Apple TV yeah. Plus, so nobody's going to watch this anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Um. I finished playing Breath of the Wild, and okay, which is a Zelda game, and the sequel for the game is coming out, which is why I'm playing this one, and I just got a new Switch, and so I decided why not. And I, going into Breath of the Wild, I knew that it had a lot of game mechanics that I, in general, don't agree with. Weapon degradation being the big one, and then an incredibly small stamina meter being the second one. And now you can upgrade your stamina meter. You can get weapons that degrade slower. Um, So the game gives you tools to like negate these effects. But the first 10 hours of the game is fighting me. At least I was fighting the degradation and I was fighting my stamina wheel for a very long time. Um, And I went into that game knowing that these mechanics existed and I still did not like it when it came across. People say that Breath of the Wild is one of the best games of all time. It dethroned Ocarina of Time as like the best Zelda game of all time. Yeah. It's aight. Oh, like, gosh. I, like, I, like, don't get me wrong. I put 40 hours into it. I beat it. But I didn't like collect the thousand Korok seeds. And I thought... All the side quests were super boring, so I didn't do any of them. Like, I put a good amount of time into this game, and I enjoyed it, but I was not exactly lingering to stay in the world. Um, 
I thought the shrines were super cool. I liked all the boss fights. I liked um, the game is kind of broken up into uh, solving and then defeating these divine beasts. They have like puzzles inside their body that you solve. Like that's how they do dungeons in that one. And I really liked all the dungeons that were the divine beasts. It's just that everything else, like whenever I was out in the open world, I felt like the game was actively trying to make things less convenient for me to play the game. And I just, I did not like that in the slightest. Um, I might try the second one if enough of my friends get it and peer pressure me, but I got exactly what I expected from this experience, which was an okay, but not at all great experience. It sits again at like a six and a half. Dude, the amount of hype coming around that movie, I would not have expected that at all. Yeah, but you wouldn't like it either. So, (laughs) you know, very good point. Um, I watched pig with Nick cage. Yeah. It's on Hulu. This movie visually is dope. I wouldn't say great, but it's cool. I will say it's filmy, bro. And you think here's what here's what the basic premise is. Nicolas Cage um, is a chef who disappeared. You don't find that out till later, but I'm not spoiling anything crazy. Um, and now he is a truffle hunter. So he has a pet pig who you know, they go find truffles in the woods and they sell them to restaurants. And then in the middle of the night, his pig gets stolen from him. They break into his cabin in the woods and like supposedly no one's supposed to know he's out there. It's super remote. And um, they break into his cabin in the woods, steal his pig, and then he goes on a hunt to find out who did it. What that sounds like is John Wick, right? Except for yeah. his pig. It's not like that at all. This is not the same movie. There is no gun shootouts. There's no crazy action sequences. It's not like that at all. This is not taken. This is no backflipping. This guy has no martial arts training whatsoever, and I don't know if he punches a single person in this movie. He is just walking around asking people, have you seen my pig? Where's my pig? Um, that being said, oh, now you're thinking, oh man, this sounds like a lame movie. Nicolas Cage is acting his pants off this entire movie. And it, you walk away feeling like, is this a satire? Like, this feels weird. Like, this guy's obsessed with the pig. And then you just learn, like, hey man, was this like your dog? This is just like your companion. And that's really what it is. Like he didn't, he's like, cause you can get another truffle pig. Like they're expensive, but like this, this guy's like on the hunt. It just feels weird. Um, so it feels like satire. I'm telling you right now it's not. So you don't need to look at that anymore. Cause you're going to waste a lot okay. of time thinking like, what's this movie? It's just a serious movie about a guy who's missing his pig and he's trying to find it. Yeah. And he's an amazing chef. And his interactions with people is very interesting. And he's just a very, like, stoic, thoughtful person. So the, his dialogue is very, very cool. The way he interacts with Good. other people is very, very cool. Nick Cage. This is one of those movies you're like, man, I forgot Nick Cage is a good actor. <laughs> like, I totally yeah. forgot. Like, this is yeah. it's impressive. Um, it's not for most people. This is a film, not a movie. Um, I would say it's. 80% film, 20% movie. And I would say Citizen Kane is 90% film, 10% movie. Um, maybe this would be like a 70, 75 compared to Citizen Kane. It's just cinematic, pretty to look at. The dialogue is dope, um, and the acting is impressive. The storyline, it's it's like Rosebud. You're like, I want to know what happened to this pig, but I really want to see what happens to this guy while he's on the 
road to finding his pick. I'm going to sure. give it a seven and a half. It's pretty good. Okay, dude. good. Um, yeah. But again, this is right up my alley. This is the big talky, big on relationships, big on character development. Um, wouldn't recommend to most people, though. You need to be into movies. If you watch yeah. one movie a week, this ain't it, bro. This ain't I'm it. glad that we... I'm glad that we got a good thing in there because we were getting kind of mid there for a little bit. Um, I finished the Dead Space remake. I talked about this a few weeks ago. I finally got around to finishing it. And man, man, that game is just so good. That game is so good. So um, I talked about like the horror aspects of it last time. Um, But this time, as far as like the way I play horror games is I get very scared for like the first... 30 ish percent and then once i get comfortable then i don't find the game scary at all anymore um Mm -hmm. and then it just becomes an action game and when this game is an action game it's still great there's an achievement in this game to only use the starter pistol for the entire game like you can upgrade it but you can't get any of the other guns and that's how i've played this game both times i've played it so um to me, that's that was part of the fun is just kind of, you know, being a scrappy little dude running around a big spaceship shooting zombies in the legs and arms. And that was a lot of fun. Um, there's like a big second act dip that I'm not a fan of. And the problem with games compared to movies is when there's a second act dip, you know you're out of it in like 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Uh, when a game has a second act dip, that could be three hours of your time. Yeah, and dude. like you have to keep ca- playing the game. It requires your participation to move forward. And I did. So my playthrough was about 12 hours. Um, and I think maybe three of it was stuff that I just didn't really care about. But still, 75 out of 10, 75% of a game being like actively fun to play, I will take it. That is a good percentage. Um, so if you are looking for like a modern horror game, like Dead Space, I if you've never played Dead Space before, yeah, got like it is so good, love it a lot. Uh, I guess you know, since like maybe like a seven seven five. Hmm, interesting. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Um, I watched Shrek because apparently okay. this is one of Willow's favorite movies. Good right for now. her. It's she like has Nemo immaculate taste. And Shrek. She's got like Nemo, Shrek. I think she's out of the Barney phase. But like as far as movies go, it's these two and then like sing two okay um what is she like Shrek, about it bro i don't know i have no idea she's just like can't look away i think it's just because ogres look weird okay and she just spend the whole time just watching him interact with people because i can't um, imagine say, that she it. finds fart jokes very funny yet i think that's a no, that's she didn't an laugh unlocked the feature movie. later on okay she didn't laugh at the entire movie I don't, she just like, it was one of those things that she couldn't look away. Does she ask for this movie? Um, I'll just give her my phone and she picks it every time. Okay. That being said, I watched this movie over the course of a week, 20 minutes at a time. Sure. Yeah. Um, it is good. I remember it being better than it is. Yes. Sure. Um, the jokes are there and I get it, but the animation you can tell is from 2001. And I think they started production on this movie in 96. So it's got a little bit. Yeah, because Chris Farley was attached to it. Right. And before they put on Mike Myers. Also, shout out John Lithgow. He was in Sharper. <laughs> He's in this one, too. He's Lord Farquaad. Um, it's a good movie. Like the jokes are there. It I will say 
that love interest comes out of freaking nowhere. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Why Fiona would be interested in Shrek makes no sense, bro. I'm watching this. I'm like, I'm confused. I'm really confused. Donkey and the dragon makes no sense. She's obsessed with him and he's like not interested. And then she shows up in the middle of nowhere and he goes, I guess if you're going to save our lives, I guess I will just pretend to be in love with you. And then he does. I think the best relationship easily is Shrek and Donkey. Um, you can watch that all, you know, all day long. The movie's good. It won best animated feature the year it came out. Um, do you know what's even better about that? Is what? this movie is the reason why the best animated feature category exists. Because the Academy was afraid that if this movie was nominated for just a regular best picture, it would still win. You and know, so they created... Call. A whole new category just so Shrek wouldn't win Best Picture. Um, That is a good call. I would have done the same thing. Be like, hey, man, there, there can't be a world where Shrek beats out the other things that came out in 2001. Let's look at 2001 Best Picture. What won? And I can tell you, let's just decide right now ahead of our Oscar episode if Oscar wins. Yeah, so the nominees that year were A Beautiful Mind, Godsford Park, Amazing Movie, In the Bedroom, Fellowship of the Ring, and Moulin Rouge. Oh, it 100% would have won. Yeah. A Beautiful uh-huh. Mind is good. I get why that won. People who love Lord of the Rings love Lord of the Rings. It would have been close. <laughs> it would have been I, pretty close. I get their trepidation because I would have been just as concerned. <laughs> I would have been like, eh, I don't know about this, guys. Um, in case you're wondering, it beat out Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, and Monsters, Inc. Monsters yeah, it was Inc. very clearly like, uh, this is our first year of the category. People weren't making movies for this category. Monsters, Inc. makes sense. Jimmy Neutron, that was a seat filler right there, boys. Um, Monsters, Inc. is better than Shrek. It's better than Shrek. I haven't seen either recently enough to make a judgment call on that. Okay. I've always leaned more Shrekward, but... I I am not confident planting my flag in either camp. Okay. I'm going to have to watch it sometime soon. I'm just, I'm looking at a picture of Denzel in 2002 winning the Oscar for training day. The dude's <laughs> And just freaking, picturing it being Mike Myers. <laughs> the dude's handsome, bro. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that was Shrek. I'm going to give it a six and a half. I, it's a good movie. It's a start of a franchise, which they didn't know about. Um, it, my memory I remember it being a lot better than it actually was. Sure, yeah. I'm sure I could give it a boost for nostalgia, but I'm not going to. I, w- I finished Doro Hidoro, which is an anime that I, again, brought earlier. I have finished it, and so the deal with this anime is there are sorcerers that live in the top world, and then there are just normal people that live in this place called The Hole. Um, the sorcerers are generally pretty not good people, and they'll just go into The Hole to practice their magic on like these bums, pretty much. And believe it or not, the people in the hole don't like that very much. And so there's this one guy that was turned into an alligator man. And he was like, this sucks. I'm going to find the sorcerer that did this to me and force him to change it back. And it's kind of the misadventures of that happening. And it's one of the cooler animes that I've seen in a while where um, I really like the main characters. I like the antagonists. I like everything that they're setting up. Unfortunately, to the best of my knowledge, it did not get renewed for a second season. It's been three years. Um, And what I like most about this TV show is 
it's kind of like My Hero Academia in the sense that like everybody has their own distinct style of magic. Um, mm-hmm. And the fun of the show is kind of figuring out how different magics like affect each other. And we don't see magic for like the first half of the series because we're in the hole so often. And basically if you're a sorcerer in the hole, people are going to try to jump you and beat the crap out of you. Um, So it's not until we leave the hole that we get to see magic, like really shine. Like the main antagonist, his, his deal is mushrooms. And so he will like, infect people with a fungal virus and then control them through the mushroom and it's like really cool um and then there's like generic like healing magic and destruction magic but they also get really creative with it too and that's kind of the cool stuff is watching magic still be reinvented in cool ways and while I didn't love like the story in like the last two episodes kind of really lost me. I think conceptually it's just very cool. The animation is really cool. Um, and if you want just like a short 12 episode little run, then Doro Hodoro is like a really good one to choose. I think that one probably sits at like seven and a quarter. Okay, sure. Uh, my last one, and I'm not going to go too heavy into it because there's a pretty good chance we'll talk to it on an Oscar oscar episode is i watched guillermo de toro's pinocchio okay i'm frustrated because it's freaking called guillermo de toro's pinocchio yes that annoys the crap out of me if you google pinocchio a bunch of the pinocchio is going to come up you're going to need to type in guillermo de toro's pinocchio because that's the name of it yeah and so when i tell people like yeah pinocchio is my first pick for best animated feature they're like oh which what the good one the one that's nominated yeah what are you talking about um this movie visually is amazing yes visually just you can watch this movie with no sound it is that pretty it's impressive that being said this movie is like no other pinocchio you have ever seen there's a million pinocchio yep. right now it is yep. got nazis in it yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. Nazis is not the word. Fascists, military fascists. Um, there's also demons, death, uh, wood sprite, aka like Mother Earth or a goddess, something like that. Um, you, there are multiple child deaths. <laughs> yeah, um, there are real weapons. There is. Uh, Let's Mussolini. just put it this way. Let's just put it this way. Pinocchio goes to war for a not insignificant portion of this movie. Yeah. And it's for the bad guys. <laughs> um, And it's it's disgu- it's a major plot point that he can get shot and come back to life. Yes. That's a big deal. Um, This movie is freaking dark. It yeah. It's dark, dark. Um, I don't know if I like that. Okay. This is also, let's not get it twisted. It might be animated. It's not a kid's movie. It's a movie that kids can watch. Yes. It's not this a kid's movie. This movie is rated PG. I don't know if I would have gone with that, personally. It's it's PG because there's no swearing. Yeah. That's why it's PG and not PG-13. And to be honest, if there was swearing, it, it wouldn't have felt out of place. Alex, I'm going to say, I think you do like this movie more than you give it credit for in terms of like the dark themes and the plot. I think if this was the same movie, but not titled Pinocchio, I think there would be a little bit less like 
preemptive baggage going yeah, into it. Because I know and what I think... this movie is supposed to be. I didn't feel like this needed to be a Pinocchio story. This could have just been a different story. And yeah, I think Pinocchio because... might have been like a marketing thing. Like, how are we going to get people to this? No, like Pinocchio, the whole lying thing is important three times. Yeah, it's not. A, it I'm going to say, I, and this is just a general. I'm not going to call it a problem. This is a general theme with a lot of Disney movies. Is Pinocchio is an like the original Pinocchio is an adaptation of a much darker story. Like this is probably right. the most faithful adaptation of the Pinocchio story. So I think that it, I, I'm willing to take this movie for what it is rather than like everything that came before it. Yeah, it's also if you're used to watching Pinocchio, you're used to stuff taking place in the 1800s. This takes place in 1918, 1920. Yeah, World War One. Um, it's gonna feel weird. I will say it's stop motion in the most beautiful stop motion. This is hands down the most beautiful stop motion I've ever seen in my entire life. Yep. I you yes. forget it's stop motion. It's that good. Um, I probably wouldn't watch this movie. I mean, I would watch this movie again. I'm not interested in doing it, but if someone's like, Hey, do you want to watch the new Pinocchio? I'll be like, sure. I'm going to be on my phone. Um, it's so pretty dude. And like the themes are interesting. There's just so much going on. And I never really liked Geppetto. <laughs> and he plays a very small part in this movie. Yeah. He, and he's supposed to be very important to Pinocchio, but it's hard to like him for him to be important to Pinocchio and him not to be important to me. I'm like, I get why you like him. He created you. He's your dad. I just don't think he's worth it, Pinocchio. He's not been nice to you. Um, I don't know what I would give this movie. I remember you liking it. I th- a seven. Is this a Citizen Kane? <laughs> I guess so. It's it's the fact that it's so freaking pretty, dude. Um, yeah. That it kind of makes up for the fact that there's the devil in it. <laughs> and the fact that people, and although this is a good take, if a puppet started walking around, I would also call it a demon. Okay. And that it was possessed by something. And you get that <laughs> perspective from the townspeople. It's just, yeah. I'm going to go purely based off animation. And if this wasn't Pinocchio's story, this movie's at least a seven. Yeah. At least a seven. For sure. Um, I want to talk about one last thing before we wrap up and move on. <laughs> I did watch another anime. All right. I only watched three episodes. I watched it with some friends. We did not take it seriously. It was much more of like, a, this anime is silly. Let's make fun of it. It's called Kiss Him, Not Me. And it's about this girl who's like super into like the term is they have they have a term for this in Japan. They're called notaku, who is someone who is like super nerdy and into nerdy interests to the detriment of their social ability. And so she's like super into fan fiction and anime and games. And like the big thing is that she ships usually straight guys with other usually straight guys. And so the plot of this anime is there are these four guys that are like, hey, you're really cute and we all want to date you. But obviously you can only date one of us. So we're all going to go on dates together so you can choose which one of us you like more. And she's like, yeah, sure. But also the entire time I'm going to picture you four all dating each other and me being into that. And let me tell you. Of all the anime that I've seen, this is the most anime capital A TM, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I, I only watched three episodes and I'm going to be honest, 
It got a little boring after the first one because the first one is all sensational and you're like, this is weird. But by the third episode, you're like used to it to an extent and they don't really bring in any new ideas. And so I'm like, come on, let's spice this up again. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't want to rate it. I just thought it was funny enough to bring up. I'll let you know if I finish it. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Not my kind of movie, but I'm interested to see what you think. Yeah. Um, So let's move on to our one hit wonder. This is a segment that we only do once and we never bring it back. Uh, This is a one hit that I have brought called point of impact. This is what I'm doing here is I'm bringing you two separate things and I need you to choose which one had the greater cultural impact. Does that make sense? Yeah. What's this called? All right. Point of impact. Oh, I like that. All right, this we'll start off easy. What do you think had a bigger cultural impact, Among Us or Pokemon Go? You said start off easy. Okay. <laughs> oh, you man, yeah, it gets a little more wild down the road. I'm gonna say Pokemon Go. I'm gonna say, I would agree because I think Among Us has like a little bit more longevity, even. But Pokemon Go, everyone was playing that. It took off. I remember where I was when that came out. <laughs> that's insane and i never had it but like people were like choosing factions and walking in the middle of the street trying not to get hit by cars it was insane um yeah laws were made around that game yeah i agree i think pokemon go was very much like it is a time capsule but a very important one and i just want to say they're still updating pokemon go andrew still plays it like they're making yeah. new and peripherals that, that being said among us also to everyone was doing it youtube videos were put out yeah but pokemon go hit hard when it hit came out dude yeah okay what do you think was a bigger cultural impact kanye west when he did that thing to taylor swift at i don't even know which award show it was or uh at the grammys it could have been grammys or mtv i would have you know could have been either um actually or you said that who knows okay cool um or will smith slapping chris rock uh kanye i think so too i think for sure there's beef between the two of them, dude. Yeah, because that kind of started. I think a lot of people pointed that as Kanye's like descent, like the beginning of his descent into madness. Yeah, and it was also the start of I, celebrities can get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, and we're just gonna let it happen. Be like, oh, just so you know, Kanye's like that now. Yeah. Um. What do you think? had a bigger cultural impact uh the movie titanic or the movie avatar the big james cameron pieces which one which one do you think had a bigger cultural impact? cultural impact definitely titanic definitely titanic it doesn't matter the fact i think 10 years from now when all the avatar movies are out 15 years from now whenever it's going to be avatar but right now we're two movies in titanic like formed romance in the late 90s early 2000s like that's I think yeah cuz and also you got you know I'm king of the world the king of like the one of your French hol- girls yeah and then the, um could, holding could her Leo, yeah could Leo fat, uh fit on the door or drifting thing raft um, <laughs> um and then you know him holding her at the bow of the ship like I think I think despite avatar could make more money than god but i think titanic as like a piece of pop culture has i think had a bigger staying point yeah well that movie 
is like top five of a generation. Like millennials freaking love that movie. Yeah. And it's like barely a millennial movie. It's like an elder Gen Z, but like millennials across the board are in love with that movie. Here's another movie pair up. And it's funny that you brought up this movie because I wrote these prompts a week ago. Um, Fight Club or Shrek? That's insane. Um, Cultural Impact. I'm going to say Shrek. I'm going to say that too because my dad and Andrew will both still say, and in the morning I'm making waffles. Much to my personal chagrin, but it's something that we look past because we're family. I think it's Shrek because it came out when animation was new. I think Fight Club is very cultural significant to the people you I don't lo- want to hang out with. <laughs> I love when Alex just says some buck wild stuff, like when animation was new. I really hope he meant 3D animation and not just animation in general. Yeah, like completely CGI, computer-based. Okay. Not hand-drawn. It, it introduced a new category at the Oscars. We talked about this. Yeah. It, it's uh-huh. like different you know because obviously disney was putting out all that crazy stuff in the 90s people loved it um this is just different um and i I hope the audience didn't think i was dumb Um, okay but who knows at this point but i i think Um, fight club is very big in a certain demographic (laughs) shrek clears the board with everybody else though all right now here's where we get to our more abstract categories what do you think had a bigger cultural impact stonehenge or sesame street sesame street not even close yeah not even close yeah like to be honest, I don't even know what the point of Stonehenge is. Like, all the other wonders of the world, I get it. Stonehenge is the one that I look at, and I'm like, the. I they think a picture another will one suffice. For a cool number. Six was weird, and they're like, all right, add one. Yeah. Dude, you got the Great Wall of China on there. And then we got Stonehenge. Are you kidding me? Whack. Yeah, people are still. Yeah, and they're Vote still making Sesame it. Street. Yeah, replace it. No one would notice. Michael Jackson uh, on Sesame Street. <laughs> uh, the entirety of the Grand Theft Auto franchise or the attempted assassination of Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, GTA. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Dude didn't even die. You don't get he points didn't... for attempts. Okay. <laughs> you don't get points for attempts. And GTA 4 and, f- I mean, freaking all of them, really. I would say Vice City 3, 4, and 5 are monoliths in in video game history people came off with spin-offs just like can we just get a little closer than that need for speed started having cop chases um saints row became a thing open world was like the big thing like there was open world before that like we talked about ocarina of time but like gta was like we're gonna make that but for adults only and it's it's like sims for bad boys and i think people like became (laughs) obsessed with that and so i'm gonna i mean gta 5 is my favorite game all time and it has been since it came out 10 years now since it came out not dude i don't have a favorite that stayed my favorite for 10 years ever macy hasn't been my favorite for 10 years yet that's insane (laughs) she's i was gonna say she's getting there but we're probably halfway there i mean she's been my favorite for like eight okay that's a long time but it's not 10 years bro oh man uh let's do the last one all right poof being born on fairly odd parents or the housing crisis of 2008 housing crisis 
hoof. I as soon as you said that, I'm like, it's the other one. Oh, okay. A housing <laughs> crisis of 2008, bro. The fact that I that didn't even affect me. I mean, I wouldn't say it didn't affect me. The fact that I wasn't in the market, me, Alex, wasn't in the market, and I knew about it in elementary school shows you it's kind of a big deal. It's like 9-11 and the housing market crisis. Are you telling me that Cosmo being pregnant on children's television wasn't more impactful than millions of people losing their jobs? I think that's what I'm saying. Man, all right, I guess that's fair when you put it that way. All right. Well, I mean, I That's did it. I think we're, I think we're culture historians, though. I think we've pretty, we've made that. Pretty yeah, I clear. think we really opened our audience's eyes because there's a handful of those things that, when you said it, there are people in the audience who are like, "What?" Are they? I hopefully talk more about that because I have no idea what that is. <laughs> what Two pieces of uh, housekeeping stuff. One, our Oscars episode is coming out this week on Friday. Um, we go over. At least the plan is we haven't recorded it yet. The plan is to go over all of the best picture winners and most of the best animated picture winners. Um, so if that sounds like a thing you're interested in, it will be out on Friday this week. The second thing is the small and tall for this month is the Lord of the Rings extended editions. And I am having a blast with that. We've already recorded one of the segments for it. And I am very excited to have this episode out. It might be... The it's looking like it's going to be the longest episode of podcast at, at least in the top three. It's going to sit in the top three somewhere. That's so insane. if you like long podcast episodes, g- buckle in. That's the last Friday of the month. I'm excited about that. But but next week we are talking about a 1950s movie. Alex, what movie is that? We're watching the James Dean classic Rebel Without a Cause. This was one of those movies that my 10th grade English teacher would not shut up about. And I think he even showed a few scenes from this movie. So I'm excited to circle back and kind of like see what the deal was. Um, But that's next week. Until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. Hi, Mom. And tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.